Thank you for tuning into In The Fight. It is late on Monday night, and I am just done editing the podcast. This is a jam-packed episode. Today on the podcast, we have Jared Flash Gordon, fresh off of a win over Joe Selecki, and he had a nasty call-out of Patty Pimlet after his fight. And yo, honestly, this feels like a fight that got some serious legs behind it. Have a great conversation with Jared. Goes about 10, 11 minutes, and then... Right after that, Gerald Spawn and I of Strong Style MMA get into the Marvin Vittori Paulo Costa fight that's coming up on Saturday. This is a great episode. Hope you guys love it. Apple, Spotify, YouTube, y'all know the drill. This is in the fight. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today is Monday. Let's check the day here. What do we have? It is October 18th. It is 2.36 p.m. here in San Diego, California. And today on In the Fight, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only old friend of the show, Jared Flash Gordon. Jared, how are we doing today, brother? Good, man. How you doing? I mean, I'm not going to lie. When, when you win... I'm a I'm a happy camper, bro. We like we like watching you win. How does how does the body feel right now? I'm good, man. About to jump into practice when we're done here, so I'm ready, ready to go. The last week, little vacation, a little bit of eating. How quickly does that turnaround happen for you? Like between like, yo, let's celebrate a little bit to like, yo, let's let's dial it back in and get back into the rhythm and routine of of our daily grind. The day after the fight in Vegas, I was running around the hotel with my coach. So I felt good, though. You know, I wasn't in, I didn't get injured or anything. So I was ready to go. The win over Joe Selecki. I'm not going to lie. You had me a, a little nervous. OK, you had me a little nervous there to start that thing off. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching my, my pops is also a fight fan. And I go like, yo, I, you know, I've had this guy on my show before. And, and then my dad immediately just gets invested and is super pumped up about it. What is the mindset change between rounds one and two and then rounds two and three? Like how different are those conversations between you and your coach? So, I mean, I knew obviously I lost the first round. Um, You know, I threw a knee trying to time him coming in on the takedown and he kind of ran through me and I, I fell to my back and he got good position and, you know, he's a jujitsu stud, uh, black belt he's been doing jiu-jitsu since he's six years old apparently uh you know he just beat jim miller in the fight before that so he had a lot of you know momentum going into the fight and i'm sure he was determined and motivated and confident um but i knew obviously what his style was so you know well you know i've been doing jiu-jitsu a long time also so uh, i just defended the way I was supposed to defend. Uh, he was super tight, though, with his hooks and his control. Usually I'm able to escape uh, back control quicker than that, but he did a really good job. But uh, when I got on top at the end of the first, I could kind of feel him deflate a little bit. Um, and then going into the second round, I knew I had to push the pace, obviously, and, and get that round. Uh, in the first 10 seconds, not many people notice or caught it. Maybe you did from home. 
Uh, I hit him with an uppercut, like in the first 10 seconds of the second round, and he wobbled. And I knew, okay, I got him hurt, time to go. I hit him with that uppercut, but he took me down, like, right after that. But I got back to my feet. We were against the cage. I started elbowing him in the head, punching him. Uh, you know, I made the fight dirty. We, we had a little bit of, like, a grappling exchange, and then I hit, a like, a judo throw, a uchimata, and I ended up on top. Uh, I landed some decent ground and pound. I controlled him the whole second round. So now the momentum shift was with me, and I could tell he was tired. Uh, and I wanted that win, man. I really wanted it. And, you know, I, I was tired, too, because he was pushing me against the cage so much. And, you know, I was defending, defending. My arms were a little gassed. But I was able to outstrike him on the feet in the third. And I knew when the round ended that I won the fight. Uh, I thought I won a unanimous. They gave me a split decision. But, um, you know, they got it right. So that's all that matters. So that was one of the things I was going to ask you about, actually, was like your confidence, you know, in the judges as the fight wrapped up. Like, I don't know, three round fights can be ambiguous. Like, let's let's be honest. And like, I'm not even I've never refed a fight, so I can't like criticize and say like, yo, you know, they do a shitty job or anything like that. But like, I would imagine it can be difficult at times to judge a fight. And that fight was relatively close enough where I was like, yo, if they screw them on this, it's going to fucking suck. Um, question for you. Is your jujitsu underrated? I think it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm top in UFC history for ground strikes, for significant strikes, um, for control. And, you know, I'm up there with like Khabib and Usman and uh, certain guys. I'm like number two in something in UFC history for attempted strikes uh, in a, in a, in a, with for fighters that have more than five UFC fights, and the only person above me is Cain Velasquez. So, I think my ground game is underrated, and uh, I think because I don't have like so many submissions, that my jujitsu is underrated. But my ground and pound, I think, is where you know I know that's where I shine. So. You mentioned a couple decent names uh, that you were, uh, you know, throwing your your hat into the ring a little bit there. You know, just a couple mild names. Yeah, just a couple of decent guys. With the the grappling or the jujitsu dynamic, do you think your tactical advantage is like in technique, or do you think it's in mindset? If that makes sense. I think it's both. You know, like if I get taken down, I'm not gonna just lay on my back and you know if you take me down I'm trying to hop back up and you know that gets guys tired and but I also think it's technique as well obviously like um when I got on top I do a really good job of controlling guys and landing significant shots so I think uh I think it's both for sure and now like yo I, I don't want to be the fucking MMA journalist guy that asks like the bullshit headline grabbing question but th- Let's be honest, like the, the, the fucking dope part about all this was the call out of Patty Pimlet following the fight. And I know you're going to get asked about this a million fucking times. So I don't want to like ask you something super, super generic about it. But like, when did you kind of have this idea that like, yo, I might fucking call him out after this thing? I mean, I thought about it, you know, obviously the weeks leading up to the fight. Uh, he had called me out like before he made his debut or when he first got signed, people were asking him like who he wants to fight. And 
I was one of the names he mentioned a couple times, uh, only because I beat his teammate, and he wanted to, you know, he wants to get that one back for the gym, which is understandable. Uh, and we're in the same weight class, so you know it makes sense. But I don't think I'll, you know, I'm not sure if I'll get that fight like right now. Maybe down the line we can build it up. Um, you know, th my next fight will be my tenth UFC fight, and he's going on his second, so. You know, I think the UFC will try to build him a little bit more. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, uh, you know, he's saying to people that he'll finish me in the first round. And, you know, he's trying to keep that persona of, you know, kind of like McGregor or, you know, like, oh, I'm going to finish. But, you know, he wasn't malicious or he wasn't, like, being, like, crazy about it. So, you know, he's just got to do what he's got to say what he's got to say. Uh, so... But I think down the line, if it doesn't happen sooner, that it will be a great fight. And, you know, it grabs me headlines and I got a lot of attention because of it. You know, ESPN reposted it. You, you know, all these people reposted it. So, you know, it's only good for me. And that's what you got to do in this. It's not just obviously winning is the, the number one thing, but uh, making some noise is a huge part of it also. How did it feel being at 55? Like, I, I know you got that question, like, a lot or whatever during fight week, I'm sure. But, like, the week after, does do you think your body's recovered better? Yeah, I mean, I, the weight cut was a breeze. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, like, 15 of my pro fights are, or maybe more, are more, like 16 or 17 are at 55. So it's not like I never fought at this weight class before. Uh Guys are definitely big, bigger than me. Joe was bigger than me. Um, but, you know, it's all about being smarter, I think, not bigger. Being better, not bigger. Uh, and, you know, these guys, they get, they tend to, they get tired. It's because, you know, they're cutting a lot of weight. I'm cutting less. So maybe I have more in the gas tank than they do. And I can go. So, um, I feel fine though. I feel I feel great. Yeah. Um, I noticed that you were doing a ton of swimming leading up to this fight. I know that's something like you've truly adopted. I'm a surfer, so you're you're like you know preaching to the choir on this one. A huge believer in water therapy and all that stuff. How into that are you, or is it kind of like a nightmare that you just have to do because that's what your coaches are saying? You like it? Uh, I oh, I'm, I'm addicted to swimming and uh, fuck yeah, swam a lot as a kid. So I already knew how to swim, uh, but I've been swimming four days a week, hard, hard. I got a coach. I swim on my own. I swam this morning at 7 a.m. I swam Friday. Uh, I swam like four days last week. I haven't stopped swimming, and I've been swimming consistently every week for like the last six months. Uh, you know, I, I used to run a lot. A lot, a lot. I used to run. I sprint. I'd run, you know, long distance and kind of just crush my body. Uh, and you know, it's it's like not as full body as swimming is, obviously. And you know, when I'm swimming, doing certain drills, it feels like I'm grappling or wrestling. So I think it's more beneficial. The cardio obviously is great, and uh, it's just it's just way less on my body than than running is. I know uh, your teammate Randy Costa has kind of gone through the same transition a little bit. Used to uh, used to be a big believer in you know miles and miles and and getting that road work. And now I think he's switching it up a little bit, hopping on the bike a little bit more, running a little more on the sand as well. So 
not super surprising. I think a lot of fighters, that's cyclical for them, right? You go through different things. You try different things, see what works for you, see what doesn't. Best slice of pizza that you had during the post-fight celebration you had with your team? Uh, Augie's down here in Florida. They're like Italian family. It's like a mom and pop shop. They make the best Sicilian slice in Florida. They make great regular pizza too. And you know, I'm from New York. I'm from Queens. My friend owns Lombardi's, which is like, the first pizzeria in America. So uh, I think I have a pretty good idea of what pizza should taste like. And um, Augie's is uh, up there, man. They're super good. Hell yeah. And then last thing I got for you, Jared, um, 10 seconds on the many saints in Newark. I appreciated it because of all the nuances and the little things that were thrown in there that if you don't know the Sopranos, then you don't know what they're talking about. So I was like, ah, oh, like, I remember that. I, you know, like I was able to, you know, pick up on a lot of things that a lot of people probably wouldn't, but I thought it was anticlimactic. Um, but they're making it seem like there's going to be another one. So I'm hoping because at the end there, when he, when he's at Dickie's coffin, you know, Tony realizes his role in the family. And they make it seem like something huge is gonna happen, another another movie. So that's what I'm hoping on. Uh, I appreciate it, I liked it, but I gave it five stars, I don't know. You gotta be a Sopranos fan to, to have liked it. You don't know the Sopranos, and then you're like, "What the hell is this?" So, Jared, I don't want to take up any more of your time. It's 13 minutes, brother. I appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, I want to let you know, though, I have become homies with uh, Nick, and I think it's Days. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, we've kind of become homies. Yeah, we become homies a little bit over the last few weeks. Uh, we were on a podcast together. And, uh, yeah, he said he knew you pretty well. I was like, oh, yo, I've had him on the show. So we connected on that a little bit. Um, how's this jujitsu game? He's getting there. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> he's training, but he, uh, he has a basic idea of what he's, what he's got to do, you know? Oh, he's going to love that clip, by the way. He's going to love that clip. Uh, Jared, dude, thank you for the time, brother. We will talk again soon. Best of luck. Rest up and keep crushing training, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, today is Monday, October 18th. It is 1.22 p.m. here in San Diego, California. And joining us today on In the Fight to preview the fights coming up this weekend, the one, the only, Gerald Spawn, my man. How are we doing? I am great, my man. Back and ready to go. Ready to talk about Vittori Costa. Dude, I, I kind of feel like this fight is a little bit of a sleeper. I don't. It came out of nowhere for me. Like we've had so many fights come up, and then obviously we have a ton of huge announcements coming in the next, you know, four, five, six weeks to end the year. We have back-to-back pay-per-views to end October, and then the start November, and then December 11th is just fucking bananas on December 11th. So I feel like this one kind of got away from the public eye a little bit, but I do think it needs to be talked about. Before we get into it, Gerald, how's the body feel? How's training kind of gone? And, and what's been the focus with you over at uh, Strong Style MMA? Body's been good, man. Working on just developing the skills right now. Getting ready to be a sharper, more dangerous human the next time I get locked in there with someone else. So uh, training's good. The gym's good. We've got Jesse Murray actually fighting on the Contender Series. Uh, and uh, 
excited to see him bring another contract home to the gym. So I, I always do this. So, you know, bear with me because this is not the first time I'm going to do it. And it won't be the last. Give us one thing to watch for when, when he goes and takes the stage, you know, um, and, and hopes to earn that contract. I want people to pay attention to the way that he uses his kicks. Jesse is an incredibly dangerous human. And the way that he moves his legs as a 205er is crazy, man. He's going to be a uh, pepper in those kicks and uh, he might kick this dude's head clean off. I- I'm, I'm pumped for it. Yeah, that's, that's a violent description there, Gerald. I, I like that a lot. Um, by chance, were you able to catch any of the Aspen Lad conversation that kind of went on over this weekend? I caught the coach's comments on a clip, and then I saw a little bit of you know the back and forth. And uh, I want to I want to get your take on it first before I before I dive in. Sure. So here's my thinking, and I I, I think there are two separate conversations here. Okay. First, this is not high school sports. This is not college sports this is not youth sports in any capacity I am willing to have the the coaches being too harsh conversation when it comes to people in the NCAA who are not getting paid when it comes to high school athletes who are students primarily first right this is not that level though and the conversation that we're having is about professional fucking fighters I like I that blows my so we're gonna allow in MMA we're gonna allow kicking we're gonna allow breaking bones we're gonna allow punching to the face we're gonna allow body slamming and choking but yeah let's draw the line at harsh coaching after like three rounds of mild coaching not working that I'm not to go on a little rant there but that's kind of my stance on the whole thing Bo, you 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 can kick my ass, but you better not say anything mildly aggressive to me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it, that I'm right there with you with you, man. It's it's crazy because you also got to think different people get motivated in different ways. You know, I'm the type of guy that if you talk to me in that way, I might not I might not actually respond very well. But my coaches know that, so they talk to me at, at a more like analytical. Um, like this is what you need to do type of way. Cause that's what I need. But I have plenty of teammates that sometimes you need to smack them and tell them to, you know, wake the fuck up and that's how you're going to get them to respond. And that relationship is what makes your decision and who you want as your coach, right? Like if Aspen lad did not want that from her coaches, the coaches wouldn't have been in the corner in the first place, right? This would have ended a long time ago. This is not the first time the coach has gotten into her. And I think there's actually a pretty infamous moment where the coaches have gotten into her before. And the next round, she comes out and lands a huge knockdown 10 seconds later after this huge barrage of words onto Aspen Ladd. So I'm willing to have this conversation, though, about high school athletes. I'm willing to have this conversation about college athletes. I'm willing to have this conversation especially in the youth sports conversation, you know, below the high school level, because I think youth sports is about instilling confidence, right? Learning the game, like growing the game, why, why you play the game. Those are the, those are the fundamentals that you're trying to build in a, in a youth athlete. This is not that conversation though. You're talking about fist fucking fighting. Like what, why are we drawing the line at, you know, kicking, punching, choking, and slamming, and yet, you know, a little bit of harsh coaching is, isn't going to, you know, be allowed amongst MMA Twitter. 
Hey, I'm I'm not really ever gonna understand the uh, you know the whole triggered my words type of thing, but I'm also a guy that that um you know is more worried about fists and knees flying at my face. So it's it's one of those things where you know part of the MMA community that's deep and understands you know the the fighter you know how fighters are the relationships between coaches probably aren't going to be so triggered by it. But uh, you know there's always the uh, you know more casual fan base as well that just might not be educated enough. And, you know, maybe, maybe this is an interview like this is an opportunity for them to see that it's something that's okay. There is something to be said here. And I like not to go completely off the rails. This is the last thing we'll touch on. We'll get into the, the pre-fight analysis, but are we having this conversation? If Aspen lad is a male, like, like seriously, are we having this conversation? Have we ever talked about coaches being too harsh ever with a male fighter? And yet, you know, we have this female fighter in a corner and she's getting barked at by her coaches. Yeah, now we want to have the conversation about coaching being too harsh. I don't know. I, I think it's worth mentioning in this conversation. I don't know if you agree. I agree. I mean, the only time I can think that that was brought into question with a male and the way that his coaches acted are Diego Sanchez. But that's a completely different thing. It wasn't mm-hmm. a in the corner, try to get him motivated. That was just how he was being trained and treated. And that's a completely different thing. So yeah. I agree with you. I, I think if if it's, you know, if it's Marvin Vittori and not Aspen Ladd, I, I don't think people really care too much. Speaking of Marvin Vittori, uh, Marvin Vittori, 17-5-1 going up against Paulo Costa this weekend. And again, kind of a sneaker little fight that flew under the radar for a little bit. But when you look at this 185 division, it's a pinch messy like to be honest it's a pinch messy obviously you have the long-standing champ Adesanya just in complete control you would assume him and you know Bobby Knuckles run it back and it's going to be a fucking amazing fight when they do um city kickboxing has to figure out their gym situation right because they're dealing with way too many complexities right now to get into a like a full rhythm in terms of like fight scheduling and stuff like that Gerald I want one thing to look for Right. If we didn't see a judge's scorecard, if I didn't see a referee, if I didn't read MMA Twitter, what is one thing I could look for in this fight that could tell me how the fight is going? I'm going to say that it's Vittori's pressure. If Vittori doesn't put on the pressure, I'm not sure that Paulo does either. And I think it, it may be one of the snooze fests that we've come to, you know, to loathe out of the past few fights here with Paulo Costa. But what I'm hoping for is Marvin puts some pressure on Paulo and he's not intimidated by his striking ability and goes out there like the Paulo Costa of old that, you know, was knocking everyone out left and right. And that looked like the man that you didn't want to be standing in front of. So I wanted to ask you this about Paulo Costa, because I do think a fighter changes a little bit after that loss. Right. When when that O goes away on your record. Things are different, right? Maybe it's an improvement. Maybe there's less pressure to be perfect. Maybe now he's less scared about, um, oh, I don't want to get knocked out. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to have my first loss. I, I do think that does happen sometimes with fighters. One thing I've always found interesting with Paulo Costa, he's so powerful. He's got dynamite in his body, right? He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and it feels like. We never see it. So when when you see a fighter who becomes um, in love with some of his own abilities and capabilities, what's kind of the tip or trick or what's the mindset he has to get 
has to get into in order to use every tool in the tool shed? I think we're going to see this and I think it's going to be him returning to what got him where he's at. You know, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. What he was doing before was working. And I do think there's a, a big thing psychologically with an athlete that's been undefeated for a long time and not wanting to see that. O go because I'm an athlete that's experienced that myself. And there's something that happens when you lose to where you, you just don't care quite as much because that all that worry and all that, anxiety that you carried about keeping that O is gone. And sometimes that's the most freeing thing that can happen. And, and it just helps you actually hit the next level. Once you, once you do take an L. For Marvin Vittori, he's coming off of the loss against Israel Adesanya. And, you know, he's kind of been a little vocal about, you know, yeah, Adesanya has got me twice, but they certainly weren't blowouts by any means. I, I do think in the last fight, it was, probably a little more decisive than he's giving it credit. What do you think of the mindset of a fighter who's still not hanging on to a previous fight or a previous opportunity? But if you're Marvin Vittori or if you're in Marvin Vittori's camp, how do you like kind of get rid of that last fight and put it behind you? I think he really just needs to focus on himself, his performance and what he needs to uh, capitalize on to be better moving forward. It sounds to me like he might be a little too worried about how people view it and how close it may have been and maybe caught up in, in the headlines a little bit. If he just is strictly focuses on himself, his performance getting better and being a better fighter, I think a lot of his woes go away. He's awkward, man. I, I, I know that's, that's not a, a tangible X's and O's explanation of combat sports or anything. But when you watch Marvin Vittori, he's really awkward. And if a guy like Israel Adesanya can't figure him out and put him away, I have a hard time believing that a lot of other guys are going to be able to do it. I, I don't know. I, I, I do think there's something to be said about the awkwardness of Marvin Vittori. I think that's something that could carry him uh, a long way if he just learns how to capitalize on, on his strengths. It's hard to fight a guy that's awkward because punches come from weird angles, awkward angles. They don't move how you expect them to move. So I think that's something he could get more out of. And I guess we'll see if he does. Do you know what the betting line is? I don't. Do you have it pulled up? I do. I do. But I was curious. Do you, who do you think's the favorite? Costa. Yeah, I got uh, Marvin Vittori's a minus 150 favorite. Costa comes in as the, uh, the underdog at plus 120. Huh? Uh, that might be. Uh, are, are, is this turning into a sports betting show, Bo? <laughs> uh, listen, listen, listen. I've 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 become very good friends with my you know the people over at DraftKings. Right? I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I just like using the gambling lines a little bit as like a narrative holder. Right? It it, it tells us at least what Vegas is thinking. I I think that's interesting alone. It is, and it's something worth noting because Vegas is right a lot. But one thing that's hard to, uh, you know, hard to predict is the outcome of a fight. You've you've seen you've seen you know them be wrong on many occasions just because, you know, the better guy could lose. It, you know, it, it, can, it happens in other sports too, but fighting is much more volatile. Here's the deal: if we knew who would win, why the fuck would we watch? Exactly, right? 100%. Like li literally, what makes this shit so fun is that we have no idea and. 
MMA more than any other sport ever is as unpredictable as anything. So that's what makes this shit fun, man, is that it's uh, unpredictable and volatile, as you said. Gerald, thank you for the time, brother. Uh, probably we'll see you next week. I think you got some stuff cooking up. What are you working on uh, for the one thirty seven p.m. website? So I'm currently working on putting together a preview for UFC 267. That is Glover Teixeira and Jan Blackowitz. Going to take a look at the three fighters to watch. Some are going to be ones that you would expect. Some, maybe not so much. Gerald, thank you for the time, brother. We will talk later this week. Sounds good, Bo. Thank you guys for tuning in. Great episode. Super stoked with how this one came out. Excited about the future. We have guys like, I I don't want to be the guy who's teasing bullshit, whatever, but we have legitimately potential future champs and, and, and former champs lined up multiple times in the next six weeks. Guys, this is going to be a crazy finish to the year. December 11th is right around the corner. And, yo, it looks like I might be going. So, guys, I'm just stoked. Happy to have you. Thank you for tuning in. This is another episode of In the Fight.